0: We're going to get to the word this morning. I hope you were able to see the short video clip just before we kind of transitioned on Serve Day. We're really looking forward to this opportunity to serve uh, very practically our city of Cornwall. You'll be hearing more about that, but it's going to come really fast. And uh, we're just hoping, I think it would be great if we had anywhere from 50 to 100 people Uh, downtown with our serve day shirts on. I think it'd be a great testimony that we love our city. We want to practically uh, put our arms around it and pick up the garbage and clean it up. It'll be a great day. Mother's day is so awesome. Uh, Jason, Jason, Pigeon uh, had a post up a little bit earlier on. Jason, I know you're watching. He said, hey, if it wasn't for moms, none of us would be here. (laughs) True story (laughs) and uh, humorous, but we just want to honor our moms. Um, My mom is watching from Strathroy, Ontario this morning, and uh, just bless her today as she's watching. Happy Mother's Day, Mom. And to all of our moms, and as Chris said, foster moms and adoptive moms and just people who are mother figures, we just love you all very much. This is Churches That Heal Part 5. We're going to wrap this up next week, and we'll have our final installment of Churches That Heal. I hope you've been enjoying it, and I sure hope that you've been able to process the material in group. And uh, I'm really excited about our next series. I'm going to be talking about getting ready uh, for what happens after the pandemic. Yes, there will be an after. And uh, I just sense the Lord stirring some things in my heart that I want to share with you. And as a church, we're going to get ready for what God has ahead. I'll be sharing those things with you, not next week, but the following week as we jump uh, into our new series. Uh, If you've really enjoyed the series, I hope you have, and you want to dig in a little bit more. Uh, you can uh, pick up the book called "Changes That Heal," and we're just going to show you that post right now, so you can get a, a look at that book. "Changes That Heal," and uh, these are the four sections we've looked at, including the fifth part of uh, the tree and removing judgment. And you can dig in and do a little bit more work. Encourage you to do that if you'd like to. This today is becoming an adult. Changes that heal churches that heal. Sorry, becoming. An adult, and uh, basically today, grow up. <laughs> and uh, I know, I know, it uh, sounds funny, especially if you're in, a, in an adult body today. But I think you'll understand as we go through this. And uh, adulting is a lot harder than it sounds. Let's pray, Father. We thank you today uh, that you are blessing, you're breaking every chain. Somebody's. Watching today, depression literally was suffocating them, but they're sensing victory in their heart right now. They're sensing victory in their home right now. They're not coming under that cloud. They're going to just understand today they are seated with Christ in heavenly places. Help us understand this principle today, Lord, that as you want us to grow and to mature and, Lord, to come into all that you've called us to, Lord, help us understand this principle now in Jesus' name. Amen, amen. All right, I'd like you to think again about Adam and Eve. We've been referencing Adam and Eve in the garden. We do that because that was God's original intent. It's what's being restored. Uh, God's intent for mankind is being restored because of what Jesus did. We had Adam, and then the Bible calls Jesus the last Adam. And so our lineage uh, starts when we're born physically. Our DNA lineage comes through the first Adam, Uh, But the last Adam, Christ, our DNA is spiritual and we are made in the image of God. And God restores back to us all of what he intended uh, in the garden. So that's why we go back to the garden and we look at that. And so this morning I want you to remember that Adam and Eve uh, were created as adults. They were created as adults. They weren't created as children and grew in the garden. God created them as adults, what makes you wonder when God created mountains and the mountain ranges, how old were they when he created them? Hmm. Oh, stay with me. That thought that thought might take you off track. So Adam and Eve are adults when they were created. They were given very real responsibility. They had real authority, and they had the power to exercise their decisions and to exercise their authority. Genesis 2.19 says, out of the ground, the Lord God formed every beast of the field and every bird of the air and brought them to Adam to see what he would call them and whatever. Adam called each living creature, that was its name. And so Adam gave names to all the cattle, all the birds of the air, and to every beast of the field. God delegated the authority to name the, the animals to Adam. And so... Just really kind of, I know it's tedious when we kind of keep going back to the garden, but it's so important this morning. I want you to see that every animal that came to Adam, God said, "I don't care, whatever you want." And Adam wasn't second guessing his choices. Adam wasn't going, "Well, I kind of like zebra, but God, are you good with zebra? Is that is that name? Because I mean, after all, you you created the, you know this thing <laughs> that I'm calling zebra." And God goes, I told you, this is up to you. And so Adam didn't second guess. Uh, Adam didn't wonder if God would like the name. He didn't feel guilty about calling one of the animals a name. He was was in total freedom with the authority God had given him. And he was having the time of his life. Obviously, God had given him some expertise uh, and some know-how and somehow to catalog and keep track. Uh, But Adam... As the animals came, he used God's authority, the expertise. He'd learned some stuff and become really good at it. He executed the decisions he had the power to make. He was accountable for those decisions, but he made them because he was an adult. And that's how God created him. Well, after Adam and Eve and the fall, the rest of us (laughs) got to adulthood a little bit differently. We start as children and we grow and we become adults. And Galatians tells us the principle by which that happens. It says as long, we're talking about children, it says as long as he is a child or she is a child, that baby is under, that child is under guardians and stewards. And our key kind of thought this morning is this word under, under, it's going to be really important. And so we're born under people who have guardianship over us, guardians, a parental role. They guard us, our parents guard us, and if we're a parent today, we guard our children from what they can't guard themselves from. And also, we were under, under, if you were in the room today this morning, I'd say, Say under, and you'd say under, (laughs) under stewards. And a steward has authority. To make decisions, like a power of attorney, has decisions to execute uh, decision-making processes for somebody who can't make decisions yet. And the Scripture here goes on to say that we were, as children, under guardians and stewards until the time appointed by the Father. And so, in this, um, in this whole way that God has it, that we're born as children we're making our way to adulthood. That we're under our parents; they are stewards and guardians. We are under, but there's a process by which we come out from under until the time appointed by the Father, and we come beside. We come beside. We become uh, not under, but now we make our decisions. We make. Um, we 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 have a little bit of expertise of our own, and we become adults, and we'll begin to see a little bit more what that means. So we're not supposed to permanently stay under, I'm emphasizing the word, the authority or care of our parents. But we're to become adults and have authority to make our decisions. We get good at stuff and have our expertise. We know some things, and we have the power to execute our decisions. And, of course, we're also accountable for the decisions that we make. And then one day we meet someone else, we join our lives to them, and we start this whole process all over again. But here's the deal. We're born as little people (laughs) under. We're born as little people. And if you didn't notice, this is a big person world. We're born little people in a big person's world. And the big people know everything. They have the food. uh, They have the money. uh, They have the keys to the car. (laughs) And so we're born little people in a big person's world. When you were a little person sitting in your high chair and your mom was feeding you, at some point in this process of being under guardian stewards, mom was feeding, and you, you were like, me want to do. And you reached into the bowl and kind of, and it was all over your face and, and uh, in your ears and all over the place. But mom's like, wow. And she's texting dad going, you, don't, you won't believe it. She fed herself this morning. <laughs> and, and we begin to get some expertise. We begin to learn some stuff. And so in the case of eating, so now mom delegates the authority. So now the baby, the child, you and I, we began to feed ourselves. And mom says, now you're good at that. Now you get to do that. And mom delegates and gives that task, gives that role uh, to to the child. Well, the one that most parents can, all parents cannot wait for. And that's the one where kids learn to be potty trained. And, uh, and, and so, you know, the first time there's poo-poo in the potty. I mean, there is a celebration. At our house, we did the Congo line. Poo-poo in the potty. Poo-poo in the potty. Poo-poo in the potty and there's a celebration, and you hand off. Now, the child is learning some stuff, becoming an expert in toileting, and we hand off that area of authority. Kids are on a play. uh, Kids are playing together, and your kid comes in and says, Mommy, I don't want to play with Johnny anymore, and Mommy says, Why not? Ah, Johnny's kind of mean, and He won't let me play with the toys. He keeps taking them away from me. And it's no fun playing with Johnny. I like Jimmy, though, Mom. Jimmy's a great, he he, he plays really nice. I like playing with Jimmy. And Mom goes, fantastic. You're learning how to pick friends. You're learning to differentiate between the bully (laughs) and the person who's nice to play with. Hey, tomorrow, who would you like to have over to have a play date with? And we begin to release that authority. And they begin to make decisions. And then all of a sudden they continue growing and they turn 13 and aliens take over their bodies. <laughs> Not really, <laughs> but it seems that way if you've had teenagers. And what happens at uh, sometime around adolescence is they're beginning to make the move from under to beside. And you can't fight against this I made the mistake as a dad to fight against this process. I didn't understand it. I I didn't realize fully that God had created my kids to be hardwired. God made them this way. God made us this way. To begin to make the move from being under to begin transitioning in adolescence to come beside. And so parenting styles should change during those adolescent years where we become less decision-making, more coaching, more directing, more guiding. And and so that begins to happen. And listen, if you fight against that process, you're going to lose. You're going to lose as a parent because God hardwired them to move beside. Under, I think you get the idea now, and then they transition beside, and we come into adulthood where we're equals, equals, we honor our mother and father, they are our mother and father, but they're not making decisions for our life anymore, they're not caring for us anymore, we can care for ourselves, and so under and then beside. Now, I think you get you get the physical aspect of this, but the process that you and I went through physically to become adults, there's also an emotional uh, process here, and it can go wrong like a thousand different ways. <laughs> It can just go wrong a thousand different ways. And as we're going to look at this, and I'm going to just kind of give you some stories, and hopefully we can relate with it, that even though we're in adult bodies, many people really struggle with feeling like they're still a little person in a big person's world. That you really struggle with finding your place in in life, finding your place, uh, what are you an expert at? What are you good at? What did God put into your hands to do? Many people never really discover what they have authority and power in terms of executing their expertise. And many people are still little people living, they're in a big person body, but in their mind, feeling like there's a one-upmanship in the world. And then everybody else stands taller uh, than they are. Let's just talk about a few examples of this, because if we don't grow and go from under to beside, we never can come into the full uh, expression of what God has for us, because we'll be struggling with so many emotional things that come along with not becoming an adult, depression, despair, anxiety, so many of the stuff and the symptoms come out of this final uh, piece that we're looking at today, becoming adult an adult. Let's talk about Peter for a minute, and I don't mean Peter in the Bible, just some random guy Peter. Peter has having trouble holding down a job. Everything goes fine until the foreman tries to correct Peter. He gets really angry. In fact, he gets so angry that he yells at his foreman, and then he begins to yell at his boss, and he gives the impression that he has no regard for authority. In fact, it seems as if Peter hates authority. He has a real difficulty with authority, and it ends up by getting him fired over and over again. If you talk to the guys on the floor that he works with, everything's a competition and a one-upmanship. Peter always has to be bigger and better, no matter what it is you're talking about, whether it's work or life. He's just got to kind of top it, be one-up, and it just feels like you're in a constant competition with Peter. So what's Peter's story? Well, Peter was raised under a super-authoritarian dad. Strict is probably too mild a word to describe Pete's dad. His dad was bent on keeping Peter under as he was growing up. Growing up, that's kind of an oxymoron because Peter never grew up. Peter was kept under. He wouldn't delegate anything to Peter, and Peter got frustrated and really angry at all different stages uh, from early adolescence all the way up to being a young adult. The Bible says this. Ephesians 6, 4. Fathers, don't exasperate your children by coming down hard on them. The word exasperate means to frustrate or to irritate, that you're giving them absolutely no room to be themselves, that you're, that you're putting your ways, your thoughts, your decisions on them in such a heavy-handed matter that it frustrates, irritates, it moves them to anger. And Peter's father... Peter's authority figure, the one who imprinted his mind as to how authority works on planet earth, his authority figure did that every single day. Peter hated authority. Peter said, no one's getting one up on me. I'll show you. No one's going to get one up on me. And Peter had spent his life feeling like a little person, never being able to come into a big person world. Peter had never grown up. Even though he had left home years ago, he was still a little boy that was in a power struggle with his dad. But the good news is Peter's going to find a church that heals. He's going to get saved, learn about Jesus. He's going to meet some supportive men from that church that are uh, going to uh, really cheer him on and be for him and not against him. And Peter, for the first time in his life, is going to find support supportive, uh, uh, powerful people. Not powerful in the sense of exerting it, but they have powerful places in their life and, and positions in society. And he's not going to feel like he's going to get crushed every time he's around them. He's going to process his pain under their support. He's going to process his pain toward his, and his anger about his dad. He's probably going to find forgiveness toward his father, and he's going to find that because he's had space for the first time in his life not to be in a power struggle. He can grow up and realize he's not a little boy any longer. Let's talk about Mark this morning because Mark had the same kind of authority figure as a father as Peter did, but his life is drastically different. Mark is scared to death, was scared to death of his father, and so he just passively agreed to anything his father said or did. And Mark hears the same thing in every job evaluation he's ever had. Mark, you have so much potential, but you don't seem to access it. It's as if you have the potential. Everyone else can see it, but you, if you could just access your potential, dude, you could take on the world. You could just do so much more than you're doing. When the job gets hard or life gets hard, Mark doesn't deal well with stress. He just folds. He really does. He caves under the pressure. He believes that he's powerless. He believes everybody else has the power, but he doesn't have the power he doesn't have any power. And why bother trying to tap into your potential? Why bother trying to get ahead? Because every time you do, the powerful, the more powerful than you, the big people, and as you feel little in this world, crush you. And they're going to tell you that whatever it is you're trying to do isn't enough. Mark gets super nervous when his boss comes around. He just feels like he's being exaggerated all of the time and he doesn't measure up. When he sits in meetings at work, he feels like he really has nothing to say. He would rather have everybody else say something, and he holds back because he's sure, as everyone else is big people at the table, he feels like a little person. He just doesn't have anything to contribute. Mark's father was a perfectionist. And so when you did something for Mark's father, it had to be done perfectly every time, the first time, the first time. Now, I want you to think about that, because the problem with expecting perfection the first time of doing something every time, and correcting a child every time they're trying something, and you overcorrect them, and you don't give them room to make mistakes, that you don't have an environment for learning, and that that child doesn't know they can learn. They don't know they can make a mistake because in a healthy situation, learning means getting it wrong so that you can learn to get it right. And you have to build in wrong before it can be right. But Mark's dad never allowed for that. And so the problem was that Mark didn't grow in an environment where he could learn how to be an expert at anything. He never had expertise in that environment where there was no space to learn, no space that would allow you to become an adult. You see, adults have to know stuff. And if you can't learn to be an expert at something and know stuff, then you can't be an adult. The Bible also says, fathers, don't aggravate your children or they will become discouraged. Mark had never had anyone to encourage him. So he didn't know he was good at anything. He didn't know he was good at something. Mark fought depression on his best day. Mark came into a church that heals. (laughs) And in group, he met some powerful people. Again, not powerful because they're exerting control or something like that. But unlike his strict, overbearing father that he was raised under, he found people that were very confident. They did very well in life, but they were super supportive and after a while, in group one day, he ventured out to disagree, something he never did as a little boy because his dad used to say to him, if I wanted your opinion, I would have told you what your opinion should be. <laughs> Mark didn't even think he had an opinion. One day he ventured out in group to disagree with somebody. I mean, he was afraid because anytime he ever disagreed, he was told he was wrong. But this time in group, it was accepted because another person's opinion matters, even if it's different. It was validated, even if they didn't agree to it. Mark was learning that he didn't have to be a little boy trying to please his dad and get his dad to notice him. Mark began to figure out what he was good at. He began to tap into his potential. He began to find out that he was an expert at a lot of stuff and that he could begin having the power and the authority to exercise decisions in what he was an expert in. His his wife began to say, your new confidence is amazing. It's like being married to a new man. Mark began to notice he was hardly depressed ever at all. Let's talk about Kathy this morning. Kathy needs everybody to like her. I mean Kathy needs everybody to like her. She doesn't do well with disapproval from anybody. She's always nervous that she's going to say or do something that's going to tick somebody else off. She met a couple of ladies at church and she thought they were really incredible. They they seemed like they had life like I mean all together. She was kind of putting them on a pedestal, thinking, I want to be just like them. These ladies are amazing. And so she began to uh, work it so she could spend some time with them. And, uh, and, I mean, they had it all together, and she knew that she just didn't. Kathy's newly married, and she was looking forward to going out to lunch with Janice, who had uh, a toddler and uh, so lunchtime came, and, and, uh, and they're hanging out. And Janice asks her, hey, when, uh, uh, you know, I know you you guys just got married and everything, but you're planning to have children? Yes, yes, we are. And well, what do you think you'll do about school when the time comes? She goes, oh, wow, well, you know, we, we live in this neighborhood, and there's a great school. Everybody seems to talk about it. And we were thinking about even getting involved there before we have kids and, and get to know the school. And, and, and I, think, I think that's what we're going to do. And, and so... Janice says, what? Public school? The Bible says that we're to raise our children in the fear and the admonition of God, and you're going to throw your kids to the walls of public school? Are you kidding me? No, you can't. You can't, you can't put your kids in public school. You need to homeschool. We're going to be homeschooling our children. You need to homeschool. Oh, okay. Oh, okay, yeah, well, of course, yes, of course. That's what I meant. That's what I meant. I meant we were going to homeschool. <laughs> A week goes by, and, and uh, Kathy decides to go out for lunch with another one of the young moms named Alice. And that same conversation comes up. And she said, what what are you thinking about doing once you have children? She goes, well, you know what? Thinking about homeschooling. The Bible says that we should raise our kids in fear and the admonition of God. And I was just thinking that we should probably homeschool. Are you crazy? Homeschool? You're going to cloister your kids? You're going to hide them like in a bunker somewhere? The Bible says that we're salts and light. You need to raise your kids up in the public school system so God can raise them up and be powerful. Kathy's in a double bind right now because Kathy's not sure which mother figure she's going to please because she can't please both of them. They won't both approve of where because she's going to have to make a decision or not make a decision. You see, Kathy had a strong domineering and overprotective mom. Her mom never really let Kathy make her own decisions because, after all, mother knows best. In fact, Kathy's a little nervous about life in general. She just deals a lot with anxiety, deals a lot with worry, and then so many things in life can just go wrong. And if you catch Kathy on a day, she can kind of list all of the things in life that could go wrong that day. She calls her mom often to get mom's opinion on subjects, and that's not so bad, except the fact that Kathy really doesn't have an opinion of her own. So she's not really asking for mom's opinion, she's asking for mom's. Permission. She needs her mom to sign off and get her approval. Kathy's husband is confused because when Kathy wants to go out with the girls, she comes and asks his permission the way a child might ask a parent for permission. And he says, I get that you want to clear it with me, I get that you want to make sure our calendars coordinate, but honey, you don't have to ask permission. You're a grown adult. Kathy tends to be indecisive. She likes to be micromanaged, and she would never test the limits of any system she's in. She's going to play it safe. She's not a bad girl. She's going to be the good girl, a really good girl, right in the middle of wherever she's at. She's never challenged her mom and found out that she can. In fact, that she should. Now, I'm not talking about challenging in the sense of throwing off authority, I'm talking about challenging that I have my own opinion, and I can become an adult. You see, Jesus was talking to his disciples one day, to adults, his disciples that would be taking the church to the next level after he would go to the cross and he would die and he would be raised again and sit at the right hand of the Father. and the Holy, He said, I was sending the comfort of the Holy Spirit. And church begins, churches that heal. The mechanism of Jesus on the earth. And he said to his disciples this, so important. He said, don't set people up as experts over your life. Letting them tell you what to do. Save that authority for God. Let him tell you what to do. No one else should carry the title of father. You only have one father and he's in heaven. In other versions, it said, call no man your father, call no man your teacher. And what Jesus was saying is, and I love the way the message does this, don't let People become experts over your life. God wants you to become an expert, exercising the power and the authority He's given you and what He's called you to be and do, and not be encumbered by all of this feeling small and not having grown up and becoming an adult and becoming confident in what God's put in your hands, feeling like a little person in a big person's world. But He said to His disciples, You guys are equals under God. You have one Father, Father. God, And as you grow up, the appointed time, as you become an adult, as you grow up, and he said, because G- Jesus knew, to look, at that the body of Christ, church, this is all about relationships. Relationships with God, relationships with each other, and relationships is where it goes wrong. People jockeying for position. I'm more important than you are. I'm bigger than you are. I- I'm more than you are. Stay down. You stay down there. Because maybe they were kept down. Or however we could spend, and maybe I didn't tell your story with your name in it today, but I think you can begin to understand how important and that we need to do some work. Not only that we provide space at Harvest for people to be given the ability to grow up and become adults, but that we would do some work this week in group. And that we would talk and begin to dig down around the roots and say, how am I doing? Don't set people up as experts over your life. That doesn't mean you can't have an expert in your life. You're going to go to the doctor. God's given him an expertise. He went to school. He's, he's, that doctor, uh, uh, she might be, you know, that doctor, he or she is, is performing an expertise in their life. And we want them to be the best doctors they can be, not encumbered with the stuff we're talking about today. But be free as Adam was in the garden, not thinking about Adam. And he was running like a machine naming those, those animals. Why? Because he was growing in his expertise, growing in the power and authority God had given him. Yeah, put it together this morning. So many of us are not reaching our potential because we haven't become adults. Jesus wasn't saying don't have experts in your life. Your boss is an expert in your life. And when you signed up you understand he has authority as your boss, but your adult brain says, I accept the fact that as the expert of this company, he's my boss. I sign up to serve in my position, but I'm not going to get nervous when my boss comes around. I can offer my boss the opinion without thinking he's going to fire me. I can be an adult in my place of employment. I'm not going to set my boss up as my mom or dad figure and be afraid and cower and have all these things. No, I am equal to my boss, but he has a different or she has a different function at church. My small group leader has a different function, but that doesn't mean that they're more important than I am. They're not. Jesus said, don't set people up as experts over your life. Mom and dad were there until letting them tell you what to do. Save that authority for God. And we begin to walk as adults saying, God, what would you have me do? Go name some animals. <laughs> Go over to, uh, uh, to, to the logistics plant. And I want to just release your life like you've never seen it released before. No one else should carry the title of father. I am now beside. I am not under. I hope you've enjoyed uh, today. Uh, This really is the crux of any relational turmoil we feel. A lot of the symptoms that I talked about is feeling trapped, being under, feeling powerless. And as you dig in this week, uh, you're going to uh, find out uh, that all of us have some growing to do, and we want to grow up and become adults. Honey, would you just come back to the platform with me? We're going to close today's service. If you're here today, like in every single service, I just want to give you the opportunity to make a decision to have Jesus as a Lord and Savior in your life. We believe that uh, the Bible is so clear that God uh, so loved the world that He gave Jesus His only Son. Jesus came to take God's wrath on the cross so that God is not angry at you and He's not angry at me, He's not angry at us. He's, he's, uh, he put His wrath and His anger on Jesus so a way could be made so that we could come and God could truly be our father. If that's you this morning, you've never done it. A simple prayer like this, honey, would you help me and just do the other part of the prayer? As if somebody is and they are watching today, pray this prayer with us today, dear Jesus. Dear Jesus, thank you. Thank you that you love me. That you love me the way I am. The way I am. You have a purpose you have for a my purpose life. For my life. And you want me to fulfill and it. You want me to fulfill it. Come into my life today. Come into my life today. Forgive my sin. Forgive my sin. I'm ready. I'm ready to begin my, to begin my life. life with, you. with you. Amen. Amen. If you prayed that prayer for the first time, we would just, well, we want to just celebrate with you because the Bible says their angels are having a party right now. That's right. And God just has been waiting for this moment for you to turn toward him and embrace his plan for your life. If you would just uh, text, whether you're watching on YouTube today or you're watching Facebook, I made a decision. Someone will answer that text. We just want to celebrate that with you. Well, we've prayed today and we believe that God has touched so many uh, of these. Um, I wonder this morning, honey, just before we go, if you would you know, close our service and pray. But just pray special blessings on moms today if you do that. It's hard being a mom today. It's not easy being a mom. And, and as I'm sharing, you know, as a dad, man, dad fails. I, I made some of these mistakes. And sometimes as Christ followers, we can almost get paralyzed thinking, well, I don't want to hurt my kids. Here's the deal. <laughs> You're going <laughs> to. Because I, I won't pull up my shirt because that would be gross. But I have a belly button. And, and you have a really cute belly button. I like your belly button. And that means you're human. Adam and Eve didn't have a belly button, probably, because they weren't born. They didn't have an umbilical cord. If you have a belly button today and you're a parent, we're going to get it wrong. But the beautiful thing is, the Bible says that love covers a multitude of sin. And as we're for our children and we love our children, even if we make mistakes, God will redeem And when they get of age, they'll have to sort that out, and they will sort that out, and God will redeem it and bless them and bless relationships. So as I share this today on Mother's Day, this is not to paralyze parents today to wonder, i got to get it right. You're getting it right. Trust God to help you get it right with your kids. That's right. Father, we just pray for mothers today, God. I just pray a special blessing over them, Father. Mothers that are struggling, God. Mothers that are feeling unworthy. Mothers that feel they've messed it up one more time or said one thing bad one more time, God. I just pray for peace over mothers today, God. This is their day, Father. I just pray that they will feel blessed. And in those moments of loneliness, God, that they know that they can turn to someone that is bigger than life, God. And that can just fill that void, God. His name is is jesus father you, we just thank you god for for just loving us caring for us and just being there when we need you god i just pray that every mother today will feel blessed fulfilled and uh, just spoiled god yes. and um father we just we just bless them today in your name we pray amen amen harvest have an amazing day. week god bless yeah. you we love you so much What an amazing service. So we hope you were blessed. Yeah. And if you uh, said yes to Jesus for the very first time, we're so excited for yeah. you. Lord yeah, God. this is a really awesome moment. Yeah, we would love to get you a Bible and help get you connected. If you did pray that prayer and you want more information about Jesus or how to just start your journey, simply email us at info at and one of our staff members will get in touch with you. Yeah, we love you and we're so thankful you decided to join us today. We look forward to seeing you online and soon, in person, in the future. This is what living looks like. This is what freedom feels like. This is what heaven sounds like. We praise you. We praise you. This is what living looks like.